Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Advent signifies the coming of someone special. And the season of Advent sets us up to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. Over the next four weeks, we're going to move from fall into Christmas. And I love the way that Advent prepares us to do just that. Instead of Christmas Eve sort of surprising us again, oh, it's here and we didn't notice it coming, what we have is this wonderful heads up in Advent that begins right here in November. But as much as Advent sets us up for the coming of Christmas, Advent always reminds us that it was part of a much larger setup. God's centuries-long setup for the coming of Israel's Messiah. And so for this Advent season, we're going to reflect on four messianic prophecies, all from the ancient Hebrew scriptures, prophecies which functioned as divine setups for the coming of Jesus. Each week we'll land on our Advent theme of the week, starting with hope, then moving to love, joy, and peace all of them helping us get ready for Christmas. Over the next four weeks of Advent, we're also going to have some special speakers, which I'm really excited about. Listen. Can you hear it? What bird is that? Right, of course, an easy one, right? It's the chickadee. We all love the chickadee. Chickadee's amazing. It's hearty. It's there. And it's always cheerful, right? But here's one that's a little more tricky. Listen to this. Do you know that one? Some of you? It's one of my favorites. I hear it all the time. It's the territorial call of the ring-necked pheasant. Now, over the last few years, I actually have become a little bit more knowledgeable about birds. Just a little. And I've always had some interest, but I think in the last few years of my dad's life, he was a pretty avid birder. And then in the years following his death, my interest has grown a bit. Not only as I wanted to connect with my dad and his interest in birds, but also because I actually wanted to experience God's creation more fully and understand it more particularly around birds. And while I am absolutely not a true blue birder like Peter Hambry, Dan Mawson, Jody McBlain, I found that I'm able to recognize birds by sight and sound more than ever before. And I've got to tell you, I really enjoy it. I think it must be a sign that I am now firmly entrenched in middle age. Some of you probably say yes, but I think we should embrace our age, shouldn't we? Well, you know what I've noticed? The more I've learned about birds, the more attuned I am to them. The, the world of birds has come alive to me. It's all around. Every time I step outside my home, almost every time I step outside my home, I pause for a moment and I just 
listen. And almost without fail, I hear birds. Depending on the season, of course, the chickadees are singing and the robins are chirping and the stellar jays are squabbling over something. Their song sparrows are serenading and the flickers are piercing or pounding. And it's often rounded off by that beautifully awkward peasant, pheasant, sorry, pheasant call in the distance, which I absolutely love. The more that I learn, the more that I listen, the more I'm able to understand and enjoy. And rather than just hearing a cacophony of mystery calls, I'm often able to now distinguish between this particular trill or this unique song and sometimes even link them with the right bird. And I may not be a full-on bird nerd, but I tell you there are days when I think I might be getting close. Intentional listening sharpens our hearing, doesn't it? It sharpens our understanding. It deepens our appreciation for what's going on around us. And it's to listening that we're tending to on this first Sunday of Advent. Much of the Christian way is a way of listening, of hearing, of attending to the very sounds and speech of God. Have you noticed that? In the Jewish and Christian faith, hearing is paramount. As far as religions go, Judaism and Christianity are decidedly auditory. God speaks and we listen. And even though imagery and beauty certainly has its place in both Jewish and Christian worship, seeing is never as important as hearing. So much so that Jews and then later Christians were even accused of being atheists by outside observers. Did you know that? I mean, they would sort of say, what are they worshiping? Do you see anything? I don't see what they're, I don't see what they're doing there. And you'd say, where's your God, they would ask. And of course, when Jews and Christians couldn't point out any particular idol or image that was the object of their worship, because that was forbidden, of course, well, the conclusion that was drawn was they must not be worshiping any God at all. And that's significant. Rather than being a faith that is based on sight, a worship that is all about what you see, our faith is founded on sound, on speech, on hearing the very words of Yahweh. Idols were forbidden, and we are called to listen. At the very heart of the Jewish and Christian faith is the God who speaks, whose very word spoke creation into existence, and then who spoke to his creation about how they were to live under his word. The centrality of God's word is evident wherever you look in the biblical story. Flip open any Bible, look at the very first verses, and you discover a God who speaks, right? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And from these open moment, opening moments in Genesis, right through the story of the patriarchs and beyond, Yahweh's voice is heard again and again 
and again as he calls, as he covenants with Abraham and his family. But then most significantly, Yahweh speaks from a burning bush to Moses and calls him to deliver his people from Israel, uh, from Egypt, out of slavery. And it's through Moses, the single greatest prophet of God's people before Jesus, that God speaks his divine word to his people. After they were rescued, Moses, of course, led them to the great Mount Sinai, and God made an eternal covenant with Israel, giving them his very words that they must live by as his people. The Ten Commandments were actually called the Ten Words. And it's upon these words, and really the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, which kind of recaps it all. Uh, this is called the Torah. And God's, God's people were called to hear it, to hear it, and to hear it again. So they could live, they could obey, they could follow in his ways. They were to orient their whole life around the word of God. As the story of God's people continued, it really is a story about hearing or not hearing the word of God. And so God would use judges and prophets, even kings, to bring his people back to his word, back to this word, calling them to live in response to what they had heard from him and warning them of what would happen if they didn't listen. Well, how does this connect to our first Sunday of Advent and the divine setup for Jesus? Well, considering how central hearing is to the whole of Scripture, is it any surprise that one of the earliest ways that God prepared the way for the coming of Jesus was actually through Moses himself? God promised through Moses that he would speak again in the future. Moses, who had delivered God's words in the first place, he was renewing and recapping God's covenant with that second generation of Israel, just as they were going to go into the promised land. And this is captured again in the whole book of Deuteronomy. Well, while he was doing that, Moses foretold of another prophet that would come from God to speak to them. Another prophet who was like him. Another who would come to whom they needed to listen and to obey. If they were to live, they would need to listen. This takes us way back, you understand. Moses prophesying about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the very word of God. And that divine setup can be found in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 to 18. Let's walk through it. Verse 15, the Lord your God, this is Moses speaking, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. You hear the emphasis on hearing? Right. Now, God's promise of another prophet coming was actually in direct response to the people's request that God not speak to them so directly again. Moses goes on to explain in verse 16, For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, 
let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. God is so holy and awesome that when he gave the law to Moses for his people, the whole mountain was on fire, smoking and shaking. It was terrifying for God's people to hear his word spoken. And so Israel began to associate hearing the word of God directly, at least, with death. When in actual fact, as we will discover, it is only through hearing God's word that they, or we, can live. And so listen how God responds to their request, which Moses then relays to them. It's genius. Verse 17, the Lord said to me, Moses, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. In response to the request that God not speak to them so directly, God promises to send another prophet like Moses. And that is through this prophet that God would speak again. Now, the fact that another prophet like Moses could even come was incredible in and of itself because Moses is the top prophet of Israel. No one comes close to his stature. I mean, he is so significant. Listen to how the writer of Deuteronomy finishes up the whole book of Deuteronomy after he narrates Moses' death. This is what he says. Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. Since then, no prophet has, ar- has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses is incredible. He's awesome. No prophet has risen like him with this kind of intimate one-on-one relationship with God, but also the power displayed in and for his people. But Moses himself here says that another one like him, would come. Another one would come who would speak the very words of God to them, and they were to listen to him. And it's through the great prophet Moses that God, already here, before they'd even gone into the land he'd promised them, he begins to set them up. Because this promise holds a mystery that's not yet revealed. A mystery that God's speech would actually be the prophet himself, the word of God, Jesus Christ. This promise of another one coming, another one like Moses, creates hope in his people. Hope that God, the God who had spoken in the past, would someday speak again. And that many prophets who then came, they would continue to reinforce this idea again and again and again in a variety of ways, pointing God's people toward the coming of another. But no one quite imagined it would be this way. No one quite imagined that this one who would come wouldn't simply relay the word of God to them. This one who would come would be the very word of God himself. 
as it turns out, one that was actually far greater than Moses. The Messiah would come as the ultimate fulfillment of God's great promise, and it would be his word that would be our life. Remember how John began his gospel? We already heard this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then a little further down in verse 14 of John chapter 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. All of the prophecies given, including and maybe beginning with this one here from Moses himself, sets us up to receive the divine word of God. Jesus himself. Listen also to how the anonymous writer of the New Testament letter, Hebrews, how he begins his letter. He says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God sets up his people so that they would hope for him to speak again. They would long to hear the word of God spoken again. And when he did, it was through Jesus. What does this mean for us now here in Advent 2021? We approach Christmas knowing that God has already spoken through Jesus. We celebrate the manger in Bethlehem. We sing the the amazing songs. We remind ourselves of the story because God's very word took on flesh within this young Jewish woman. Became one of us for us so that we could hear him, so that we could live. And we look back at God's fulfilled promise to speak but we also receive an invitation to listen again today. Advent is that invitation for us to hear, for us to listen, for us to tend again to the Word of God in Christ as He speaks to us now. And so as we begin Advent together, as we walk through these days and weeks ahead, I want to invite us all to listen, to pause, to notice God's word to us in Jesus. And I want to invite you to consider doing that in three ways. Maybe just pick one of these to do or maybe incorporate them into your Advent season. The invitation to listen is here. The first one, is that we can listen to hope. I want to invite you really practically to try this. Starting December 1st, read the Gospel of Luke, a chapter per day. If you begin on December 1st with chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, you'll actually be into the Christmas story really soon. Luke 1 and 2 features that. 
But then for each day of December, read that next chapter. So on December 3rd, read chapter 3 and on. December 10th, read chapter 10. What will happen is by Christmas Eve, you will be in the last chapter of Luke. Luke is 24 chapters long. So you will arrive at Christmas Eve having heard the whole story of hope, the whole story of Jesus through the gospel of Luke. And what a beautiful way that we can listen to hope, the story of hope. So I invite you to consider that. Pick up the gospel of Luke and read it through the month of December. The second is that we can listen with hope. As we celebrate this Advent season, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, I wonder if God doesn't have a specific word for us. I wonder if God doesn't want to speak a specific word to you. It could be that through Advent, depending on your circumstance, depending on what's going on in your life, the Holy Spirit wants to say, don't be afraid. That that would be the word he wants to speak to you in Advent. It could be that he wants you to hear him say, slow down. Or take heart. Or live generously. Or rejoice. I don't know what it might be, but I think God has a word for us, for you. And to hear that, we can invite him to speak. So I invite you to do that. Ask the Lord, do you have a word for me during this Advent season? You might hear it from the Gospel of Luke itself. You might hear it as you tend to the sounds of hope around you during Advent. But ask if Jesus doesn't have a word for you during Advent. You might be surprised with what he says. And then the third is that we do listen for hope, that we take opportunities to pause during Advent. I mean that quite literally. Just like I step outside my door and I pause and listen for bird sounds, that we can actually press pause throughout our days when we're out and about or around our home, that we simply press pause for just five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, and we listen. Maybe you'll hear the hum of a vehicle. Maybe you'll hear a dog barking. Maybe you'll hear a bird song. Maybe you'll hear a child or the crunching of footsteps. I don't know what it might be, but to listen for hope. And as you listen, I invite you to make a connection between what you hear and the coming of Jesus Christ. Make a connection as you hear the sound of, 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 of someone moving down the road. Pray for them or or thank God for the gift of a good neighbor. Or maybe you hear the sound of your children playing and you think, what a gift of love they are to me. If you hear a song that is sung or you hear people laughing together. But each sound that we hear can reinforce the hope that we have that God has spoken to us in Jesus. So I invite you to pause and to listen through Advent. These are just some practical ways that we can actually do this together. We can listen with hope. I hope you'll try one of those out. God sets us up to listen through Advent, to listen to his word, to to, to recognize that he spoke to us in Jesus and he continues 
choose to do so even now. And my hope and prayer is that we'll listen to him this Advent. There's so many things that vie for our attention, aren't there? Maybe especially during the Christmas season. And so let's use the Advent season to intentionally listen to God as he speaks to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And who knows? As we pause to do that, we just might find that the birds join us in our celebration too. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.